The following program is presented to you by the New York State School Boards Association. NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast is supported by the Harris Beach Educational Institution's team of attorneys. Harris Beach successfully represents more than 130 school districts and BOCES clients throughout New York State on matters involving school district operations, labor and employment matters, cybersecurity, and student issues. Learn more at www.harrisbeach.com. Twenty twenty one is now upon us, and nine months after the initial CARES Act was signed into law, a second relief package recently passed, leaving many to argue it's not enough. The pandemic and resulting financial crisis has taken its toll on public education and has left many school districts struggling to meet the new demands and needs for their students. As locally elected officials, school board members have a responsibility to stand up for their students and advocate for the support and resources needed to ensure the success of the educational system. My name is Jamie McPherson, Deputy Director of Leadership Development for the New York State School Boards Association. I invite you to stay with us for this episode of the President's Gavel, 900 billion in stimulus, why advocating for students is more important now than ever before. Let's call this meeting to order. I'm joined today by my colleague, Brian Fessler, Director of Government Relations. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Jamie, thank you so much for having me. So Brian, it's a new year. The COVID-19 vaccine has finally begun to roll out, which has created a lot of sense of optimism that we're nearing the end of this pandemic. On January 20th, Joe Biden will be sworn in as the 46th president. Our state legislature recently began a new session, and of course, at the end of December, the 900 billion stimulus package finally passed. Now this pandemic has certainly created financial hardships and uncertainty, which you know school districts were not immune from. With school districts now entering into the budget season, there seems to be a lot of anticipation to learn how this stimulus package could potentially impact their district. So Brian, you know, what do we know right now about this 900 billion stimulus money? And what do we hope to see in terms of relief or public education in those school districts that are struggling? Yeah, thanks, Jamie. What's most relevant for us, obviously, for school districts, is that the $900 billion stimulus package included about $82 billion in uh, direct funding for education. Uh, of that total, about $54 billion is reserved for K-12 public schools. Uh, the remainder is uh, mostly higher education with a, a small pot uh, of money um, for governors uh, to have some flexibility with around uh, education funding. Um, but for our purposes, that $54 billion pot for public K-12 schools um, is, uh, is what we're caring about the most. Um, as is relatively standard for uh, new federal funding outside of existing uh, programs and structures, uh, those dollars will flow through uh, the, the federal government's Title I formula. What that means for us in New York uh, is that our K-12 schools, our public K-12 schools, can expect to see uh, about $4 billion. It's well beyond any annual increase in school aid that we've seen at the state level in a given year. Um, however, the big part for us beyond the education fund 
interesting is that stimulus package did not include um, any additional general funding for state and local governments. And why that's important to us, obviously we care about you know, the education dollars most importantly, but that means that New York still has a significant, a really significant uh, revenue gap. Um, I know the, the governor and the state division of budget have cited that number to be potentially as high as $15 billion in the current year alone. Uh, and that extends out to a total of 60 or 65 billion uh, based on projections for the next three or four years. And what that means is that there's still a real potential for the additional federal funding to only serve as a plug against potential state aid reductions instead of that money you know, really adding to what school districts are expecting to receive uh, from the state in the current year. Um, there is some language in the stimulus package uh, for uh, with regard to education funding that deals with maintenance of effort and uh, percentages about how far the state can pull back its own support. Uh, in terms of education, but it's you know it's not exactly uh, hard and fast language. There's some waiver provisions, and it doesn't really create a floor for how far the state can cut uh, its own state support for school districts uh, if need be. I think the big question, you know, as we're sitting here today, um, looking forward, looking to see how that stimulus money will be used and and what the state budget picture looks like. Big question is is exactly how and when that new funding uh, included in the stimulus package will be used. For example, the state could decide to allocate all or most of those $4 billion in the current year, which would certainly mean that little to no aid loss in this current school year uh, would be experienced for districts. But if that happens, that would mean we've created an even larger cliff for school districts as we head into next year, uh, a year that we continue, unfortunately, to expect to be, uh, you know, another incredibly challenging uh, state budget picture. Um, there is some flexibility to uh, for states to kind of spread that money over multiple years, headed into either 22, 23, or 23, 24. Um, that would reduce the level of the cliff, but it would also you know, then lead to, um, in all likelihood, uh, some negative action in terms of aid uh, in the current 2021 school year. Absolutely. And I think you addressed a lot of the frustrations that school districts are facing right now. We know we're getting the stimulus money, but I think you addressed the fact that how far is the state going to pull back and how far can they pull back the, their own financial aid? And as districts are looking, not only formulating their budgets now, but looking at the long-term repercussions of this financial crisis, we understand that this is a multi-year problem and that this is going to take some creative budgeting, not only this year, but for years to come to ensure that monies are flowing and that we're creating uh, you know, the environment and upholding our education system to meet the needs and demands of our students at large. And so we're facing a lot of obstacles. And so what do you perceive to be sort of those major challenges or obstacles that school districts are facing? Yeah, thank you. I think, you know, between the financial challenges and, and the obvious health and safety concerns challenge, uh, challenges that, that have been created by the, temp, by the pandemic and the, that are really still existing, to be frank, it's been somewhat hard to draw attention uh, uh, you know, to other outstanding issues, even issues that, uh, you know, perhaps may have gained uh, a lot of traction in, you know, early 2020 or in the couple years prior. Um, and despite the importance of those issues to schools, you know, the day-to-day the -day grind um, and, you know, news and, uh, you know, 
popping up of new challenges uh, associated with this pandemic um, has really made it hard to uh, draw attention to other issues. While that's the case, I think you know there are a couple items that have existed for the past couple of years, but you know unfortunately um, have really been heightened because of the pandemic. I think the biggest one that stands out to me uh, right now is uh, the issue of access to, to technology and the digital divide. Um, we've we've really had a number of conversations um, about the enormity uh, of this issue. Uh, and those conversations have occurred with SED, with the governor's office, uh, with the legislature, with some of our um, colleagues throughout the education community. Um, and, and, you know, this issue has turned into something beyond, uh, you know, just a, a rural access issue or a frustration with, you know, losing your cell service uh, as you travel through certain areas of the state. It was so much uh, remote learning or even hybrid learning. Um, across the state, whether we're talking about rural areas, suburban areas, urban areas, uh, cost of access, uh, broadband infrastructure, uh, device accessibility. This is an issue that's really become a critical day-to-day -day, um, uh, concern for schools, for education, for healthcare, for commerce. Um, and so this is an issue we've talked a lot about um, through 2020 and as we've begun uh, in this new year. And I'm hopeful that we'll see some additional meaningful action um, on this issue uh, on what's really a significant challenge uh, as we start this new year. You know, beyond that, we are engaged in a variety of other issues on behalf of school board members and, and our public school districts, um, really on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, when I start each morning, there's uh, usually a new challenge or a new obstacle, as you note, know, Jamie, uh, for us to face uh, every single day. Um, and I anticipate that continuing, but I think for 2021, I really expect, uh, you know, the financial challenges and the health and safety concerns associated uh, with the pandemic um, to be at the for forefront until uh, we work through, uh, you know, distribution of the vaccine and, and hopefully at some point sooner rather than later, uh, return to some level of uh, semi-normalcy. Absolutely. And I, and I think that the key phrase is that we live in these unprecedented times and you addressed a lot of those complex issues that really has resulted as, uh, based upon the pandemic that we're living in, stemming from mental health to technology, all the way to the finances of school districts. And as we're facing these challenges, which seem to be astronomical, you know, let's talk about the board member's role. And the board's member, board member's responsibility in advocacy and advocating on behalf of their students. Now, we used to be able to stand face to face with our legislature, legislatures in a non-COVID world, but advocacy today looks a little bit different. And so, what does advocacy look like today? And how can school board members be more vocal in general and just representing the best interests of students to their legislatures? Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, certainly over the past nine or 10 months or so now, um, advocacy uh, at the state level, at the local level, at the federal level um, has really changed significantly. Certainly, you know, the, the process has changed. Uh, we're not in the Capitol because it's closed to visitors. But the goal uh, is uh, is the same and the content is the same. And uh, in some ways, it's it's nice knowing that everyone is in the same situation. Um, you know, that we're all having to work through this new normal uh, at the same time and learn on the fly. The good thing is a lot of the tools that we at NISBA have for uh, school board members in terms of their advocacy still exist and are still effective, whether we were in a pre-pandemic world or in the situation that we're in now. 
we also have uh, an advocacy liaison program that uh, we've we've tried to beef up and 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 promote a little bit more over the past couple years. Uh, we have information on that program and our other advocacy materials and tools um, on our website. Those are all great suggestions, and I'm really hoping that our listeners today, those are really truly, you know, understanding that as a school board member, they have a responsibility to be involved in these advocacy efforts, and that as a locally elected official, school board members actually have more of a voice when it comes to the legislatures because they're a voice for public education at the local level. And so our legislators definitely want to hear from school board members to help them better understand the issues that they're facing because that's going to help guide them in the decisions that they're making at the state level. And I'll give a nice plug for your department. you got a lot of wonderful folks in government relations, Brian wonderful people and so i'm really hoping that folks that are listening to this willing you know reach out to you reach out to your department to learn more about how they can get involved i think the liaison efforts is a great place and i know you guys are always looking for more folks to be involved in that and looking forward into february nisba is going to be hosting our capital conference brian i'm hoping that you could tell everybody a little bit more about this annual event and perhaps other ways that school board members can perhaps get involved in advocacy through NISBA. Sure. Uh, always happy to help promote uh, our Capital Conference. And I agree with you. We have a, a really great department. Our entire team is part of the Capital Conference. Um, many of our members are probably, uh, I'm sure, familiar with our annual Capital Conference. Uh, every February, hundreds of school board members gather in Albany each year uh, to listen to updates on the state budget, to hear from elected officials and other state education leaders, uh, and to learn tips about advocacy. On Wednesday, February 3rd, we'll be hosting our first ever live virtual capital conference. Uh, and as always, uh, the event, the entirety of the event is free for all NISBA members. Um, it's going to be mostly a morning session, the first half of that Wednesday. Uh, and it's going to include many of the components that our members are used to hearing and seeing with the traditional in-person CapCon. And we were going to include a component on uh, what we're going to be calling Advocacy 2.0. So it will include some of the traditional tips on um, meeting with your legislators and, and lobbying um, and advocacy, you know, mostly at the grassroots level. But we're going to add some tweaks to it to recognize that we're doing that in a virtual world. Jamie, one of the questions that I get on a regular basis from uh, from school board members is, you know, the the general question of how can we be involved, um, how can we be effective, what role do we have to play uh, in advocacy uh, on behalf of our students and our school districts? And I'll tell you, there's no silver bullet answer. Um, there's no one secret sauce that's going to, uh, you know, um, effectuate every change that you want. But we know all of the pieces. Um, of that process and, and you know, the pieces that are important to be successful. Um, and I really see it as kind of a, a, a loop. You know, it's um, NISBA and our governmental relations team and my colleagues in our department uh, working at the state side, uh, representing school board's interests, again, you know, at uh, essentially 24-7, working with staff, working with legislators, with other state leaders, the governor's office, the education department, the state division of budget, the legislature, um, and, and bringing that perspective uh, from the state side of things. But the other half of that equation is the local piece. 
And so I may be able to have, uh, you know, a meeting with uh, the education committee in the Senate um, and share that state perspective, but I can't have full appreciation for the local stories that individual school board members can share with their state senator or state assembly person. Um, knowing what the impact at the district level uh, on specific programs or classes uh, that you know may come about if we're in a situation where we're facing potential mid-year reductions in state aid. So, you know, the grassroots approach at the local level, coming up with that information and those perspectives and those stories, and then us on your behalf 24-7 on the state side, having uh, similar conversations, but from a different approach and different perspective um, with, uh, you know, legislative staff members and the governor's office and the division of budget, and really kind of coming at it from both sides uh, so that we have that local feel and that state perspective. I really think, you know, um, when that's working well, that's the way to be most effective uh, to push towards the things we want done and to push back against the things uh, that we uh, don't want to see happen. Absolutely, Brian. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and change results when people are willing to be vocal and to share their voices. And when it comes to public education, we need school board members to become actively involved so they can push for the changes, the benefits, the policy, the finances that at the end of the day are going to benefit their students. And Brian, I really want to thank you for being part of today's program, for sharing your insight and giving your guidance and recommendations with our members for today. Thanks again, Brian. Thanks, Jamie. I would also like to thank my NISPA colleagues working behind the scenes, making it possible to bring this broadcast to you. Thank you, Megan DeGenero, Al Marlin, and Alyssa Maiello. My name is Jamie McPherson, Deputy Director of Leadership Development, and this has been a production of The President's Gavel. And this meeting is now adjourned.